President Vladimir Putin's United Russia Party is claiming overwhelming victory in regional elections held across the country and in parts of occupied Ukraine. The international community and monitoring groups say these so-called elections were rigged and an outright sham. There was limited choice in many places, with opposing candidates blocked from running. Uh, one independent Russian vote monitoring group says they saw many instances where the result was falsified. Uh, Katie's been looking at all of this. I mean, what, what do we know? Well, Max, it's clear that having results like these are unsurprising in Russia, and clearly the West has been very quick to condemn them. The United States have said that the results are prefabricated, that this is all a propaganda exercise in Ukraine as well. Of course, unsurprisingly, very strong in condemning, saying this is a violation of their territory and their sovereignty. But from the Russian side, this is extremely important. 21 regions across Russia, as well as these annexed Ukrainian territories. And there has been one very notable dissenting voice from inside Russia. And this is Golos, which is an independent vote monitoring body in Russia. Highly unusual. Have a listen to what their co-chair said about these results. Probably one of the main features of voting in 2023 is the blatant use of power resources by the state and a rather blatant disregard for the law on the part of members of election commissions in some regions. Now, Golos have been described as a foreign agent by Russia, again, unsurprising for those that dissent. But this is part of the key message here, that these elections, while the West is seeing them as a sham, they're describing them as rigged, perhaps we should be looking at the motivation for Russia's president here, and that is the domestic audience. Mm. Let's not forget, in the last few months, there was a mutiny against Putin, led by Evgeny Prigozhin, the leader of Wagner, mysteriously then died in a plane crash. There was a mutiny that reflects, perhaps, domestic support for Putin is wavering. It's not as secure as it could be. And so when we look at these elections, not only in Russia, but also in the Ukrainian territories they occupy, there is a sense here that this is a projection of Putin's power, not just Russia's mm. power, but his specific power, showing he's very much still in control, that this war in Ukraine is very much still going their way, according to him, and that this is still a marker of success. And he, as a leader, Putin, is very much here to stay. That's yeah, interesting. Thank you so much, Katie. The top U.S. general is praising Ukraine's counteroffensive gains, but he is warning that there are just a few weeks left for Ukrainian forces to capitalize on the good weather before winter comes. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky says his forces have made advances on the southern front this past week, and he claims there's movement around the beleaguered city of Bakhmut in the east. The chairman of the U.S. Joint Chiefs of Staff says uh, Ukraine has made a very steady progress in the counteroffensive so far, and he predicts that momentum uh, will continue. There's still a reasonable amount of time, probably about 30 to 45 days worth of uh, fighting weather left. So the Ukrainians aren't done, this battle's not done, and they haven't achieved, uh, they haven't uh, finished the fighting part of what they're trying to accomplish. So we'll see. It's too early to say how this is going to end. Some of Russia's ongoing strikes aim to destroy expensive Ukrainian weaponry. But Ukraine has a strategy to outsmart the enemy by luring them into costly mistakes. CNN's Melissa Bell shows us how decoy weapons are shielding Ukraine's true military targets from Russian fire. An Iranian-made Shahed drone launched by Russian forces heads towards a Ukrainian air defense system. A miss quickly celebrated by Ukrainian soldiers. What the Russians missed was this. A fake 
air defence system, part of an entire arsenal of decoys that has popped up around the country, fake weapons that are as cheap to make as they are useful to deploy. An American toad howitzer costs anywhere between two to four million dollars. This one costs just a thousand dollars to make. It's essentially made up of drain pipes. But the point is, each time one of these is hit, it is a real one that is spared, and it's cost the Russians time, energy, and money to hit it. The challenge for this steelworks company that had nothing to do with arms making at all, updating their designs to keep up with the ever more sophisticated weapons arriving in Ukraine. Despite them, the fighting along the Eastern Front has been tough, Ukrainian officials acknowledge. The forest just outside the eastern town of Krimina has been a battleground for much of the war. But the counteroffensive has made its daily battles that much more intense. Yuri Mikuliak, a special forces commander, has just returned from there with his men. Behind Mikuliak, one of the Russian tanks his unit took in Irpin early in the war. He says the lack of ammunition has been chronic in this war. Ukraine, he explains, has had to use creativity as it holds the lines. Мы пытаемся какую-то применять военную хитрость, как-то э, свой боевой опыт совмещать с военной хитростью, дурить противника, изобретать какие-то новые ловушки там. A part of that effort is happening far from the front lines, in factories like this one, perfecting the art of the fake weapon. The measure of each decoy's success, how quickly it gets destroyed once in the field. Melissa Belsienen in central Ukraine. Even as Western nations deny the just-concluded G20 summit was a diplomatic victory for uh, Russia, uh, Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov is declaring an uncon uh, unconditional success. Lavrov spoke after the summit participants failed to condemn Russia's aggression against Ukraine. He told reporters at the New Delhi summit that Russia's partners in the global south prevented the West from, in his words, Ukrainizing the agenda. It is telling that the Ukrainian paragraph was included and is a consensus subject, but is not about Ukraine. This is very important because as soon as Ukraine is mentioned, you cannot engage with the West on an intellectual level. They just demand a cessation of Russian aggression and a restoration of Ukraine's territorial integrity. But French President Emmanuel Macron disagreed with Lavrov's assessment. We have reiterated at the G20 that we support the Charter of the United Nations, which is being violated at this very moment by Russia, so there is no ambiguity. 16 G20 members have voted for the solutions that sanction and condemn Russia. Three have abstained. One voted against it. Guess who? Russia. I don't think it's a massive diplomatic victory or anything other than the reality of isolation and minority status. Mr. Macron also downplayed the G20's interest in political issues. He said the summit is primarily a forum for discussing economic, financial and climate issues. 